0: Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show podcast, where we dig into topics large and small related to our mission, which is to help make work more fit for humans and all of us humans more capable of doing great work. You can learn more about humanizing work at humanizingwork.com. Welcome to the Humanizing Work Mailbag, where we answer questions from the humanizing work community. If you've got a question you've been pondering, email us at mailbag at humanizingwork.com. And we'll see if we've got a good answer for you. So
1: the question for this week's episode is about management. Someone asked us, in my career, I've come across so few managers that were really actually good at their job. Is the whole approach, whole enterprise of management just fundamentally broken? Well,
0: popular culture would say yes, right? There's so much frustration about management out there. You look at the comic Strict Dilbert, the movie Office Space, the Office TV series entire franchises have built around this frustration and it's become in our culture just a trope that management is by and large terrible wasteful and harmful
1: and there's a book that can help explain why this is the way it is and it's not a new book i can go back to 1969 lawrence peter's research described in the book that he did with raymond hall called the peter principle explains some of what we're seeing with incompetent management in the world The Peter Principle is essentially, employees rise to the level of their incompetence in a hierarchy. You get promoted based on doing your job well, and you get promoted into a job that you don't yet know how to do well. And Peter viewed this as an infallible principle that could not be overcome, even if you train people well, that people are just going to rise to the level of their incompetence. And what's true about that is like descriptively, people do in fact get promoted based on being good at a different job from the one they're getting promoted into, their current job rather than their next job. So everyone starts out unqualified in a new role to some extent.
0: Yeah, in the book, they give an example here of a a teacher who's really good at working with students and working with other staff at the school, being promoted to assistant principal. And in that role, those skills are still pretty useful. As an assistant principal, they're primarily working with students and staff still. And so they're really good at that job. Then they get promoted to be a principal. And now there are some new skills needed, like managing the political relationship with the school board and with the community. And maybe they don't have those skills in the same way that they had the other ones. And so now they've hit the Peter Plateau, as he calls it. They've hit their level of incompetence. They're not going to get promoted beyond principal. Another example that is often cited here is in sales. We're really good salespeople, constantly beat the numbers, they hit all the goals, they're the best salespeople in the organization, frequently get promoted to be a manager of salespeople. And that does not utilize the same expertise anymore. And so frequently what this leads to is people trying to direct the work because they're skilled at the work. And so they say, hey, I'm a manager now, I'm still good at sales, so let me tell all of my employees how to be good at sales. Basically, here's how to do your job well. And that's really a pretty ineffective way to manage in our experience.
1: Of course, you can and should train people for the new role. (laughs) But if you train somebody for the new role and they get good at it, they'll probably get promoted again to something else they're not yet trained for. So the cycle continues, even with deliberate training in the next role.
0: Another thing that I've noticed is that the higher in an organization somebody's current job title or role is, the more pressure there seems to be to perform and the less time people tend to be willing or able to spend on skill development. And so there's a little bit of a reinforcing loop there that if I get promoted to be the CEO, well, there's a lot on the line now and I really need to focus on the delivery part of that job. And taking time for training is harder and harder the higher up you go in the organization.
1: So the question is, is Peter right in more than a descriptive sense? We can see that most managers have been promoted to their level of incompetence. And as Peter says, they're not so incompetent that they would get fired. They're just incompetent enough not to get promoted anymore. And so descriptively, that's true. But does it have to be true? Do people always have to be incompetent in their last role? And I don't think it does. And I think there are a few ways to address this. One is just how we think about our own role and other people in their roles and having a growth mindset that people are able to continue to grow and develop new capabilities throughout their life. Second, I think having a clearer definition of the job of management, and what it is, both as a criteria for promotion, what are we looking for in people to see if they're ready for the next job and as a growth path for managers. And so we've laid this out in the humanizing work, three jobs of management model, and we'll put a link in the show notes to some more information about that. There are also some meta skills that are not reflected in the focus areas or jobs in the model, which are needed to really be a good manager, be a good leader versus simply doing the work or directing it. And this includes things like coaching, facilitation, storytelling, business acumen, systems thinking, customer insight, and customer empathy, and a number of other
0: things. So while management is clearly broken in many organizations, it doesn't have to be. Organizational leaders can change the criteria for promotion to focus on the skills of the new job. And individuals that are in a current management role, in our experience, can develop the skills almost always required to do the new job well. Now, of course, changing the structure and the incentives in organizations to focus on these things requires strong management capability at the top of the organization. So hopefully the leaders involved haven't reached their own level of incompetence. <laughs> Thankfully, we're seeing more and more examples of top leaders with both the awareness and the competence needed to create changes like this in their companies. If that might be you, if you'd like to learn more about the humanizing work, three jobs and management model that Richard mentioned and how that model and your own work can help you overcome the Peter Principle, check that link in the show notes.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. We'd also love it if you shared the podcast with friends, family, and coworkers who you think might benefit from learning more about how to make work more fit for humans and humans more capable of doing great work. If you want help humanizing your work, you can find out more about our products and services at humanizingwork.com. We spend so much of our lives working, so let's make that investment meaningful for us and for all the people connected to it.